0: that in verse 4, that the righteous requirements of the law might be fulfilled. How? In us. God's Holy Spirit is in us. He's changing us from inside out. And again, the importance is that we're not walking according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. we're going to talk a little more about that tonight. But in verse 5, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh... But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded, earthly minded, worldly minded is death. Immediate separation from God. Remember the term death isn't physically dying. But Adam and Eve, it said, in the day you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. That very day, Adam and Eve were kicked out of the garden. They never again walked with God in the cool of the evening in fellowship with God as they had done before they had sinned. So, The whole concept of death is being separated from God. So, thus, what is eternal hell? Lake of fire? Complete darkness? uh, The burning of acid? Sure. But what really makes hell, hell? The fact that God is not there. The complete separation from God's presence. Right now, every single non-believer is covered and blanketed and blessed with the presence of God. It tells us in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 that that which is hindering will be taken out of the way. What's hindering? God's Spirit is hindering even the wickedness of people. The fact that Christians are here and God's Spirit lives in us is holding back evil people from really being evil the way they want. But when the rapture of the church comes, it's going to be taken out of the way. And the tribulation here on the earth is just going to be that God's presence is not here whatsoever. And... uh, Of course, we can't really know what that's like, and we never will know. Those who are born again and believers in Christ will never know what that's like. But maybe you could try to imagine if every person who thought about something just went ahead and did it. Every person who thought about rape just did it. Every person who thought about killing somebody just did it. Everybody who thought, man, I should just ram my car right into that guy did it. Every day, all the time. Every person who thought about stealing did it. Everybody who thought about going postal and killing their uh, employer did it. They just uh, went for it. The Holy Spirit is holding people back, and much evil that would be done isn't done because God's Holy Spirit is still hindering people from being as wicked as they want. But again, in verse 6, for to be carnally minded, earthly minded, worldly minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Today I was talking, actually I was listening to the tape and my son Charles, my 8 year old, said, uh, Dad, that's not true, he said that they're going to die if they don't know Christ, that's not true, everybody lives forever, they'll live forever in, in hell. And I said, well, it depends on your definition of life. You know, because again, Jesus said that we don't have life without him. That everybody who's not born again is spiritually dead right now. They're just sort of zombies existing, eating, sleeping, working, going through their natural, like an animal, basically. Whatever their fleshly impulses are, they go with it and they feel love and they feel some kindness, they do some charitable acts, and for the most part, they live for their self and what pleases their flesh. That's not life. That's existence. You don't have life until God's Spirit lives in you and all of a sudden your eyes are open and you want to l- just love people and serve people and bless people and do the things that please God. Now you're alive. Before that, you're just a puppet. You're a puppet to the winds and the waves of the world. The devil says, you know, all the girls are going to start liking miniskirts. All the girls are liking miniskirts. The devil says, this is going to be the new music. And all of a sudden, that's the cool music. Everybody's just sort of pushed around by the winds and the waves of whatever the devil, the spirit of the power of the air, that uh, the devil who rules in his birth realm just sort of move and everything, and everybody's just sort of a zombie, you know, following the, the little rabbit, you know, like the dogs on the track, you know, following the rabbit around, the, just sort of whatever is happened. They're existing. They can't think, and they can't do otherwise. If they pulled back and said, no, I'm not going to do that, they couldn't. They would just continue to move along with the flow of the rest of the world. But we as born-again believers can stop and say, no, this is what God is saying to do. And we can see it, we can understand it, and by the power of the Spirit, we can make that choice. And we have life and we have peace, that is, peace with God. And in verse 7, because the carnal mind is at war, enmity, that means to be at war against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, there's no submission to say, this is what God says and I want to do it, nor indeed can it be. So then, those who are in the flesh, listen to this now, verse 8, they cannot please God. The world who does not know God who does not follow god they are not pleasing god now here's the deception of the devil is he has basically told the world make the god that seems right to you what do you do you make a god after your own image i like a god who doesn't really care whether or not i'm a fornicator or an adulterer you know he'd prefer if i didn't but you know it's no big deal if i do so all of a sudden now, I've got this God who just who doesn't really mind. So all of a sudden, I'm right with God. Why are you right with God? Oh, I haven't killed anybody. My God says you shouldn't hurt other people. As long as you haven't killed somebody, You're you're pleasing that God. So I haven't killed anybody, so I'm right with God. And of course, people make those however they want. They make the God who, you know, says... Getting high is okay. You know, the Bible says everything God's made is blessed. And God made marijuana. And, and so I pray and I say, thank you, oh God, maker of marijuana. And uh, I just, it's spiritual, man. Hey, don't make fun of it. After I smoke marijuana and then I read the Bible, I get these incredible insights. I just, God speaks to me, man. That They're making a God that they, they weren't. There's one guy that, that said that and his dad went outside and said, everything God made was good. Absolutely. He went outside and got a a spoon and scraped up some dog manure and said, okay, let's eat it. Let's thank God for it and eat it. So I, I don't think everything that's on the earth is uh, supposed to be going in your mouth. And... Uh, And so again, you cannot please God. Let's look at two scriptures that you should definitely have memorized if you don't have them. The first of them would be over in James chapter 4, verse 4. So try to remember that this week. James 4, 4. James 4, 4. He says there, do you not know, skipping the first three words, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? You've set yourself opposed, opposite of God. Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world, whoever wants to make himself a friend of the world, makes himself what? An enemy of God. And then turn to the right a few more pages over to 1 John. And again, chapter 2, verse 15. Another one you want to memorize, verse 15 through 17. 1 John, chapter 2. 1 John, chapter 2, verse 15. Do not love the world. Can you get any clearer than that? (laughs) What could this mean? Um, It really can't mean anything else, does it? Do not love the world or things in the world. Man, that, that pretty well covers it. If anyone does love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. You cannot be a part of the world system and have the love of God in you. Verse 16, for all that is in the world... We see in everything, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. It's just so opposed to God. God is not this lustful, covetous person like we see all the pagan gods. You see, in the Greek mythologies, you see the gods up there, you know, and this one god sees this woman, he's got to have her. He's got to have her. You know, and so he turns her husband into stone, and he grabs her, and and she get, you know, it's okay that he rapes her and has kids because he he makes her a goddess, you know, and she's cool with it, you know, and it's just this whole lustful thing, and and you see the the pride in all these gods. How dare the god of thunder talk to the god of rain this way? You know, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna take his son, you know, and I'm gonna turn his son into a grasshopper, and you know. And there's all this battle going on, and Zeus is up there, so I know, you know, guys, come on, chill out, you know, and don't touch my son, you know. and, and It's his weirdness. Again, that's that's man and his flesh making gods after his own image. God is not like this. He's not a lustful God. He's not a prideful God. He's not a God who's who's pushing and shoving and trying to get ahead and trying to get the best for him. The world is passing away, the lust of it. One day it's all going to be clear when we're out of this body. But he who does the will of God abides forever, experiencing that purpose of God. And so let's make it absolutely clear. If you are in the flesh, you cannot please God. Now he goes on in verse 9 here, but let's define this thing now he said it a couple of times in in chapter 8 in the texas receptus the last part of verse 1 the first one of chapter 8 the last verse it says who's walks according to the flesh but according to the spirit and then he says it again at the end of verse 4 who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit and now he's defining this whole concept You are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. If you are a born-again believer, the Holy Spirit is in your life. You are the Holy of Holies. You are that place where The high priest alone would walk in one time a year. And even then he would have a, a, the tradition tells us he had a rope tied around him. And he had bells, we know, uh, all on his robe. And as he would go into the Holy Holies, nobody would watch him. All the other priests were out of the temple. And even there, as he would give the sacrifice, or as he would put the blood on the mercy seat, if he himself had not purified himself correctly, he would kill over dead in the presence of God. That same awesome presence that the high priest could only experience one time a year. You are that holy of holies. God lives in you. All the old things have passed away. All things become new. It's an awesome thing that God is in you, which is our hope of glory. And we need to understand this that God's Spirit is in you. There is no part of you now, you, the Spirit you, that is lacking. You come short in nothing. Well, your righteousness is about 95% there, and your righteousness is about 80% there, and, well, you almost make it to heaven. Uh, you know, you're sort of in the final boxcar and, you know, you're sort of back in the caboose and, you know, you're not up in first class, but maybe, you know, that old heavenly train will, you know, get, get you, you know, there's none of this. There's no, there's no um, good Christian and bad Christians. There's no C plus Christians and A plus Christians. We've all been adopted into the house of God. We're all children of God. We're all born again. Every one of us, God's spirit lives in us. We are perfect in holiness, perfect in righteousness. We are absolutely going to heaven to be with Christ by his gift unto us. We did not, we're not worthy of it. We did not earn it. We did not initiate it. God initiated it. Nobody comes unto me, Jesus said, unless the Father draws him. The Father drew us. God cleansed us by all the work that he did on the cross. He said, it is finished. He did all the work. So if the Spirit of God lives in you, you are Christ. Now, if you are not born again, God's Spirit doesn't yet live in you. Again, you're not going to be able to please God. There's, you're you're going to continue to live a life after the flesh. There's no way around it. Now, he goes on to say in verse 10, And if Christ is in you, then understand this. The body is dead because of sin. Folks, your body isn't going to get better. Okay? Your flesh isn't going to get better. You're not going to wake up one day and your brain is just sort of doing its own thing and just praising God. Your brain isn't just going to sort of take over and say, oh, you know, I just want to love the Lord. It's not. Your brain is always going to be lustful and prideful and self-centered. Your hands aren't one day, your brain's going to talk to your hands and say, oh, I just, oh, I just want to pick up the Bible. I just want to fill its pages. I just want to... My hands just want to go in there and wash the dishes. And and just, my hands just want to, you know, vacuum. And my hands just want to, you know, go serve the Lord. No. Our hands want the world. Our hands are lustful. Our hands love to be lustful and sensual. Our hands love to be self-centered. Our hands want to do things that feed our flesh, that are earthly, that have no spiritual benefit. My hand wants to go and uh, play some sport? Absolutely. Does my hand want to sit still while it turns the page of the Bible? No, it doesn't. And it's never going to change. And in reality, my hand's going to want to do less of the things of God every single day I'm on this earth. When's it hardest to keep your flesh under? When it's tired and achy. The older you get, the tired you feel, and the more achy you feel. It's a continual uphill climb. It's not going to get better. There's not going to be a day that my feet are all of a sudden spiritual feet, you know, and off I want to go with my spiritual feet. No. My feet want to stay in bed. My feet don't want to get out of bed. My feet don't mind walking to the refrigerator, but my feet Don't. (laughs) But my feet do not want to go help somebody. They don't want to go down to the orphanage to serve. They don't want to make their way to church. My body is sold under sin. I am not going to get help. I am not going to get cooperation. And I'm not going to be so spiritual that my body all of a sudden now also feels spiritual. It is never going to happen. That's why I do not rely on feelings. Because, again, my soul, if I am in the Spirit, then I can feel the things of the Spirit. But my flesh is also feeding my soul with information. And so my soul, sometimes when I'm sinning, feels at peace. Other times when I'm living righteous, I'm not at peace. And then there's times I'm sinning and I'm not at peace. And there's other times I'm living righteous, and I am at peace. I cannot let my feelings help me. Should I go to church tonight? Yeah, I, I sort of feel like I want to. Well, it's probably because you've been walking in the Spirit all week and your your soul is feeling the overwhelming uh, working of the Spirit of God in your life. But at the same time, if I've been in the flesh all week, my soul is going to oh, have this overwhelming peace to just Watch a video. You know, I just—I thought about going to church. And I just—it just seemed like the Lord was leading me to just go down to Blockbuster and, and uh, you know, rent. And I just—it's the Lord. I just—you know—I think God just wanted me to relax tonight. I cannot trust my flesh. It's not going to help me. It's going to hinder me. It's going to. St- stifle my growth, and it's going to keep me from being a servant, and it's going to keep me from being able to be free to serve the Lord. But, I like the last part of verse 10, the Spirit is life because of righteousness. So now it is my nature to live. It is my new nature. God's Holy Spirit is in me, and I can serve the Lord. I can clearly understand what it means to deny myself and take up a cross and follow Jesus. I can truly understand what it means to want to just get away and pray for a few hours. I know what it's like to be reading the Bible and and for two hours to go by and just, oh, my soul grieves at the thought of not being able to just spend another couple hours on my knees with a Bible in front of me. I'm alive, man. God's spirit lives in me. I love the things of God. I, I can lose in this world and I rejoice. Jesus said, unless you lose your life in this world, you will not gain it in the life to come. This afternoon I was digging in my yard and, and uh, the people we had bought our house from basically had some real nice plants and they, they stole them. Right before they, you know, they were all supposed to stay there, and they just stole them. And uh, uh, my daughter says, you know, why, why are these holes out here, you know, in, in the plant? I said, oh, they took those plants. And, and Charles says, they, they can't do that legally, can they? I said, no, they can't. Well, why didn't you do something about it? I'm too busy fighting the devil to fight over plants. I, let them have it. I'm not... I don't care. I'm, I'm not here trying to get all that's my rights. It's my right. You don't cut me off. I was in the freeway. You know, you shouldn't have tried to get in that lane and get around me, you know? You went in front, you went in front. So we are at Home Depot today, and a, same thing. And Getting in line, and I was there in line, and this guy sort of came around and snaked in front of me. And I backed up. Charles says, hey, Dad, weren't we next? No, no, we're just right where we're at, God's protecting us. (laughs) This guy is going to hurry out and get in a wreck at the corner and (laughs) we're just going to go on around him and go home and plant our plants. (laughs) I, I don't have to, I don't have to have my rights, I don't have to push. I don't have to try to get ahead I'm not worried if I've lost in this world whether it's time whether its finances whether its health if I've done it for the Lord I've won only one life soon will be passed only that which is done for Christ will last nothing else matters we can live We can actually live exactly the way Jesus lived. Walk the way he walked. Talk the way he talked. The world may see it and even desire it, but they will never be able to do it until the Holy Spirit lives in them. It's all working by the power of the Holy Spirit. Look there at verse 11. But if the Spirit of him, the Spirit of who? The Spirit of Jesus, Who what? Raised Jesus from the dead. Now, write down in your notes. You might even make a note next to this. In the Gospel of John, chapter 2, I think it's around verse 22, Jesus said, Destroy this body, and in three days I will raise it up. Um, Verse 19. Uh, 19 to 22 the gospel of John chapter 2 verse 19 to 22 it says and destroy this body and in three days I will raise it up they understood that this he was talking about his body so here's a quick little snippet of the trinity in John chapter 2 verse 19 to 22 Jesus says I am going to raise my own body up here we see it's the spirit of God who's raising Jesus from the dead and then all through the book of Acts uh, the verse I like to use is in chapter 4, and it says, And God raised Jesus from the dead. So you have the deity of Christ, Jesus being God, because it says in John, Acts chapter 4 that God raised him from the dead. In John 2, it says, Jesus says, I'll raise my own body from the dead. Here it says the Spirit raised him from the dead. So also the Spirit, the deity of the Spirit. So the Spirit is also God, because God raised him from the dead. And it says the Spirit of God raised him from the dead. But also we know that the Father also raised him from the dead. So there are certain things that the Trinity, all three persons of the God, did together, such as the creation of the world, um, as well as raising Jesus from the dead, as well as saving us. It's all a work of the Father, Son, and Spirit to save us. That's why we're baptized in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, because they all had an active role in bringing us to salvation. Jesus' blood would wash away our sins, but it's the Holy Spirit that led us unto Jesus, and it's the Father who has forgiven us and not uh, taken his wrath out upon us, but gave his only begotten Son in our place. And so here, a little snippet, a little side note, but going back to the doctrinal point here in verse 11, if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Now, just stop and meditate on that a minute. The Spirit of God, who is a person, we don't know exactly what He looks like. We, we, he has a form of a dove when He Jesus was being baptized, but that person lives in you. God Almighty, by His Holy Spirit, lives in you. God lives in you. Now He is the one who took Jesus's body and raised Him from the dead. Now. If the Holy Spirit can raise a body from the dead, what can God's Spirit do for your body? That's the whole point. And he goes on to tell us, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. How? Through His Spirit who dwells in you. How are we going to overcome the flesh? So, between verse 10... And verse 11 is a very important point. Verse 10, verse 9 and 10. The Spirit of God lives in you. You are nothing but a big giant ball of life. You are a pillar of righteousness. You are as holy as God is holy. If we could rip out of this human flesh and see our spirit and we were to put our spirit next to Jesus Christ, it would be identical in righteousness, identical in holiness, identical in purity. There we are lacking in nothing. However, let's put this fleshly covering over our spirit. Do we see that righteousness? No, we don't. Do we see that purity? No, we don't. Do we see that holiness? No, we don't. Can we? Yes, we can. Because that Spirit of God who lives within our spirit, He can be seen, even in this mortal body, even in this body of flesh, just like Jesus Christ. Did they see Jesus' body after He raised from the dead? Absolutely. For 50 days. So it wasn't just a momentary thing. I think we did. No. Jesus stood there before, P, before Thomas and said, Here, put your finger in my hand. Here, put your hand in my side. And he said, My Lord and my God. And Jesus said, Blessed are you who see and believe. But more blessed are those who don't see and yet believe. It takes a greater faith. There's a greater blessing with a greater faith. And so we see that if God raised Jesus' body from the dead, God's spirit can also take that, what is it, that's causing that separation between you and God right now? Is it lust? Is it overeating? Is it indulgence in some other area? God can give you the power by his spirit. Keep your finger in Romans 8, we're coming right back. Turn just a couple of pages uh, to the right, to 1 Corinthians, chapter one. There in verse 29. 1 Corinthians chapter one, verse 29. Again, he's talking about how there's none noble, there's none wise, there's none strong. God's chosen the weak and the base things of this world. God's chosen the despised things of this world that he might bring to nothing the things that are. And in verse 29, that no flesh should glory in his presence. Verse 30, but of him, of him, or you can put a little note in your your side margin, by his doing, by his accomplishment, by his enablement, God has completed, God did it. By his doing, you are in Christ. We couldn't come into Christ Unless the Spirit drew us, right? Nobody comes into me. Unless the Father chooses us and the Spirit draws us. Who became, notice this, in verse 30, who became for us. We could not do it. Remember back in Romans chapter 8 there? The law couldn't help us fulfill it in our body, so God did it in us. He fulfilled the law in us. And here we see He became for us. Wisdom from God. Righteousness sanctification, redemption, that as it's written, he who glories let him what? Glory in the Lord. Whatever area it is in your life that you are struggling with, God by the power of His Spirit will do it. Look back over now in chapter 8 verse 12. Therefore, with all of this in mind, Considering this concept, brethren, we are not debtors. We are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if we live according to the flesh, we will die. We'll experience a separation from God. Not God separating himself from us, but us separating ourselves from God. But if we, by the Spirit, not by our power, not by our mind, not by our 10 steps or 12 steps or 15 steps or our keen insight on how to make our flesh do what we want it to do, but just by the Spirit of God, put to death the deeds of the body. Listen to this. Put to death what? The deeds of the body you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you did not receive, verse 15, the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father, or Daddy, Daddy. We're children. Daddy, Daddy, help us. Now, we realize that when man originally was made, that God made him with instincts like all creatures on the earth. There are certain birds that have an instinct to fly a certain direction. They're never told. There's one bird that lives in Hawaii. Every year, that bird migrates to Alaska. It builds a nest. It has its young. And before the young yet fly, The mom and dad go back to Hawaii. The birds eventually come out of the nest without any direction by their parents. They fly straight to Hawaii. Interesting, they've had some early winters come there and these birds have been blown off course even to the Philippines. But yet they'll spend the winter in the Philippines and the next summer they go back to Alaska and the following year they go back to Hawaii. They're just instinctively to go to that little tiny speck out in the middle of the ocean. Instincts. Instincts of protection, instincts of eating, of what types of foods to eat and what types of food not to eat. You'll see animals. They are not told, but they go out and they'll eat certain types of grasses when they're not feeling well. Well, we have instincts. We have instincts for thirst, for hunger. We have instincts for sex. And those are good. God's put all of those desires within our body and they're good. But when man sinned, you see, we now have a weird, mixed-up instincts. We'll eat far more than we need to eat. Why? I just I feel hungry. You're 50 pounds overweight. you got enough to live on, man. Go hibernate for the winter, you know. I just, I just feel like I need a bowl of ice cream at 11 at night. You're wrong. Your body's messing you up. I feel like having sex. You're not married. (laughs) And the Bible says that it needs to only be amongst marriage partners, in marriage. But I have this craving. It's wrong. And so we can realize that yes, we have these instincts, they are natural, they are normal, they are healthy. But because we are in sinful bodies, we also realize that if we step outside the boundaries that God has given them, they will hurt us. Physically, you overeat. You're going to mess yourself up. Your potassium level. You eat too much sugar. You can mess your whole uh, digestive system up. You can end up getting all kinds of various uh, diabetes and uh, hypoglycemia. You eat too much, you can have all kinds of heart disease. Now, we also know that we can adapt our bodies to want things that are never good for it, like smoking or drinking or seeing horror movies. There's people that, you know, I haven't seen a horror movie this much. i got to go see a horror movie. They've gotten their body to adapt and to have certain chemicals rush through their body the epinephrine running through their body, and they like the rush of the feeling of the adrenaline pumping. Why, like, you know, the guy in the chainsaw, you know, and and they they want to see this now. They've trained their body. So if you listen to your body, and you don't put to death the deeds of the body, you are going to end up having a very bitter life on this earth. This is why we have the Bible. It's a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. The Word of God is essential. Man cannot live by bread alone, but by most of the Word of God. Is that what it says? By every word of God. When's the last time you read the book of Lamentations? When's the last time you memorized some scriptures out of Habakkuk? You see, you're earthly, you're carnal. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, starting there in verse 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 1. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as carnal, earthly earthbound, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it, and even now you're still not able, for you are still carnal. For where there is envy and strife and divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men, in other words, people who don't have the Spirit of God living in them? For when one says, I am a Paul and I'm a Paul, he goes on. Why isn't it that you haven't been led into the book of Habakkuk or Lamentations? How is it that you haven't spent several hours poring over the Word of God, studying it this week? Because you're earthly-minded, carnally-minded. Now, I know a number of you have. I know a number of you have spent every single day hours in prayer, hours in the Word. And your heart is just so filled with the Word of God. Last night, I called up a, a pastor up in Oregon, a good friend of mine, Rob, and and uh, we started talking about 9.30 and, and uh, you know, oh, Brian, have you, you seen this verse? Yeah, I have, I've been thinking about that. Oh, have you seen this? Insight? No, I did, did you see this? Insight? You know, finally at midnight, you know, we kept saying at 10 o'clock, we really need to stop now, we really need to stop, you know? And finally at midnight, it's like, here's one last insight for you, Brian. Okay, I got one last one for you too, Rob. And, and uh, just talking about the Word of God, and we just couldn't stop. All oh, our hearts were just so filled and overflowing with the things that God has been showing us and teaching us out of the Word of God. That's the way it's to be. Filled up, overflowing. And you have life, man. And you experience that life, and you're being led by the Spirit of God. And you're not in bondage again unto fear, but you just have that spirit where you're crying out, Abba, Father, Daddy, Daddy. The Word of God. Jesus said you're clean by the Word of God. It says the Spirit of God is the, the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. You need the sword of the Spirit. You need that Word of God. You need that two-edged sword in your life. Let's close tonight looking at a really neat insight over in the book of Judges, chapter 3. It's right next to the book of Hezekiah. Okay. There is no book of Hezekiah. It was a joke. Look there in verse 12 judges chapter 3 verse 12 and the children of israel again did evil in the sight of the lord so the lord strengthened eglon king of moab against israel now listen they were doing evil in the sight of the lord they were walking after the flesh they were mindful of the things of the body they were so god allowed them to go into bondage as we all do when we start minding the body we end up in bondage to the body so the Lord strengthened Eglon, king of Moab, against Israel, because they had done evil on the side of the Lord. Now verse 13, Judges 3, verse 13. Then he gathered to himself the people of Ammon and uh, Amalek, and they went and defeated Israel and took possession of the city of Palms. So the children of Israel serve Eglon, the king of Moab, listen to this, 18 years. Have you been in bondage to some area in your life for 18 years? And when the children of Israel cried out to the Lord, Abba, Father, Daddy, Daddy, the Lord raised up a deliverer for them, Ehud, the son of Gerar, the Benjamite, a left-handed man. That's significant. We're going to find out why in a minute. And by the children of Israel sent tribute to Eglon, king of Moab. Now Ehud made himself a dagger. It was a double-edged and a cubit in length, 18 inches long. And it fastened it to his clothes on his right thigh. So he brought the tribute to Eglon, king of Moab, their taxes that they had to pay to this king. Now, Eglon was a very fat man. And when he had finished presenting the tribute, he sent away the people who carried the tribute. But he himself turned back from the stone images that were at Gilgal and said, I have a secret message for you, O king. And he said, "Shh! keep silent. And all who attended him went out from him. And Ehud came to him. Now he was sitting upstairs in his cool private chamber. Then Ehud said, I have a message from God for you. So he arose from his seat. Then Ehud reached with his left hand, took the dagger from his right hand, and thrust it into his belly. When the hilt went in after the blade, and the fat closed over the blade, for he did not draw the dagger out of his belly, and his entrails, literally in the Hebrew, it's the word dirt. His dirt came out. Then Ehud went out through the porch and shut the doors of the upper room from behind him and locked them. And when he had gone out, Eglon's servants came to look, and their, to their surprise, the doors of the upper room were locked. So they said, he's probably attending to his needs in the cool chamber, going to the bathroom. And they waited till they were embarrassed, and they still, he had not opened the doors of the upper room. Therefore they took the key and opened them, and there their master was fallen dead on the floor. And he had escaped while they delayed and passed beyond the stone images and escaped to Sarar. And it happened when he arrived that he blew the trumpet in the mountains of Ephraim, and the children of Israel went down with him from the mountains, and he led them And he said to them, Follow me, for the Lord has delivered your enemies, the Moabites, into your hand. So they went down after him, seized the fords of the Jordan leading to Moab, and did not allow anyone to cross over. And at that time they killed about 10,000 men of Moab, all stout men of valor. Not a man escaped. So Moab was subdued that day under the hand of Israel, and the land had rest for 80 years. What's the principle here? The principle was they stopped listening to the Lord. They stopped following the Lord. They began to be mindful of the things of this earth. They began to do evil in the sight of the Lord. God, therefore, allowed them to go into captivity. Our flesh will automatically take us into bondage. What's the answer? The answer is God has made you to call out to him. God has made you to cry out to Him. And the answer is taking that sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, and thrusting it into your big, fat flesh. That big, fat, lustful area of your life, that big, fat, covetous area of your life, that big, fat addiction in your life, thrust it in. And don't try to pull it back out. Just let that flesh wrap itself all the way around the Word of God. And what will happen? The dirt will come out. The dirt will just come pouring out of that hole where the sword of the the Word of God went in. And what will happen? Freedom. As you hide God's Word in your heart, then you won't sin against Him. How does it happen? It's just the Spirit of God. What's the instrument? It's the Word of God. It would be like a person saying, you know, I'm going to try out for the Olympics this year. Oh, really? Yeah. I've been walking a mile every day. (laughs) I'm going to try out for the marathon. I mean, can you imagine how far that is, a mile every day? Man, I'm just really impressed with myself. I don't think any Olympic athletes are doing that much, do you think? There's people who say, on Wednesday, I actually read two verses of the Bible. I think I can overcome my flesh. What do you think? And they're living this way, where the Word of God is nibbled at like a piece of cheese Rather than gobbled up like a big giant steak for dinner. And again, we're not going to be free until we're free from listening to our bodies and following our bodies. Until you are led by the Spirit and your voice of your body cries out, and you, it's just so weak. It's just this faint little voice crying out. And even when it has its giant pulls, you're still so directed by the Spirit of God that your flesh doesn't have its way. At that point, you will have freedom, and you'll be able to walk as you already are in your inner man. You'll be able to experience that righteousness, experience that life, experience that joy. How? by the power of God's Spirit, the fruit of God's Spirit will just begin flowing out. The dirt will come out. Blah! And then the Spirit of God, the joy, the love, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness, the self-control will just be flowing from your life. And you'll begin bearing good fruit automatically. How did it happen? I have no idea. All I know is a year ago at this time, I was just totally in bondage to this certain area of my life. A year later, I'm not. Why? I have no idea. It's just God's Spirit has done it. Just the power of God's Spirit. I have His love in my life, the joy, the peace, the patience, the kindness, the goodness. I'm able to, I I just don't just want it. It's really me. I'm just not a concept. I'm really living it. And the Spirit of God is there all day long as the flesh is wanting you to follow it. The body is wanting you to follow it. Your spirit is just crying out, Abba, Father, Daddy, Daddy. And it's just this constant communication, praying without ceasing, meditating on God's Word day and night. And you're just walking in this flow, and your body is constantly saying, here's what you really want to do with your feet. And you say, it's death. I don't want to do that with my feet. Why don't you just sit back and think about this for a while or do this with your eyes or spend some time with this way with your hands? And you're going, that's all earthly. I can't. I'm so in love with the Father. I'm not in love with the world. And if you want me to be in love with the world like that, I can't have the love of the Father and I'm going to end up doing the things that God hates and I'm going to become an enemy of God. Because that's that's the very things God's trying to destroy and I'm going to be a part of it. No. I know whom I serve. What's the answer? Keep reaching down. And what did had had? He had hidden within him the two-edged dagger. They didn't know about it. They patted him down. They tried to find it. But they didn't know he was left-handed. They only patted down his left side to pull out a sword from the right. The world is ignorant. The devil is stupid. I'm gonna get the heck beat out of me this week for saying that. (laughs) He really thinks he's gonna win. He really thinks he's still more powerful than God. He still thinks he's more powerful than you. But yet the Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We can overcome the devil. The Bible says, resist him and he will flee from you. We are not fighting a losing battle, folks. We'll never bat a thousand in this flesh. We're going to have good days and bad days, good weeks and bad weeks. But there's no condemnation to those who are in Christ. God's not condemning us for it. But at the same time God's not condemning us, we can end back up in bondage. And we need to hear him say, go and sin no more. But we also need to hear him say, as he did to the man who was lame and and was healed, He said, or the blind man there in John chapter 9 who was healed, he says, and don't sin again lest something worse befall you. (laughs) We need to hear them both. Go and sin no more, but don't go back unless something worse befall you. Realize that there is life as real, folks. You can have real life and real freedom from your flesh. Or you can have eternal life with Christ, but still bondage in the flesh. But I'll guarantee you those who are truly born again will not let that battle, will not let that teeter-totter keep going on very long. Have you been on that teeter-totter maybe 18 years now where you sort of wanting the things of the flesh but most are wanting the things of the spirit but mostly you're in the body needs. My body wants drink. My body wants this kind of drugs. My body wants this kind of entertainment. My body wants and you just sort of keep giving it. You're in bondage. You're not able to be free and just serve your wife, serve your husband. You're not free to just let that other person go in front of you and see his interest more important than your interest, see him as more important than yourself. You're not free to do that. You're not free to just read the Bible for a couple of hours. It's bondage to you to try to read the Bible more than a couple of minutes. You're not free. If you can't spend a couple hours in the Word, if you can't spend a couple hours in prayer, you're in bondage because it takes that much time before the Lord. I don't know. Maybe it's less. Maybe it's more. It's just hard for me to conceptualize somebody living a victorious Christian life and not spending a few hours a day in prayer, without spending a few hours a day in the Word. But you study through church history, that's all you see. You look at the church today, It seems like they're after the things of the flesh. It seems like that's what they talk about, is the things of the flesh. And then they wonder why we need so many self-help groups to overcome our flesh. You don't need another self-help group. You need to be heavenly-minded and allow the Spirit of God to lead you to that victorious Christian walk. Well, when I get back in uh, the end of July... We're going to pick up on this whole concept of sanctification and begin to get more and more particular on how to overcome the flesh and how to walk a life in the Spirit. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we ask in Jesus' name that you would do above and beyond what we could ever ask or think. Lord, we want to be free. We want the idea of being two hours in your word or three hours in your word and praying four hours a day, being just... the most joyful thought, like going to Disneyland, or whatever it is, we can compare that analogy to, it's like, wow, that's a, the most exciting thing. Just the all day long, the idea of, we can't wait, get, wait to get home, to just spend some time in the Word. I can't wait to just sit in bed at 9 o'clock at night, just to be able to read the Bible for an hour or two before I fall asleep. The idea of just getting together with Christians, and just talking about the things of God, or just going out into the backyard or going up into the mountains or going by the beach and just praying for a few hours, calling out to God and and your spirit leading us to pray for so many people, so many issues, meditating on the word hour after hour and you speaking to our hearts and feeding us deep things of God. Lord, we see there with Paul in Corinthians, he said, I could just give you milk. There's so many things I wanted to tell you, I couldn't tell you any of them because you were still carnal. Lord, help us. It seems like the strongest Christians on planet earth today are still so anemic, and none of them are a good enough example to really live a victorious Christian life after the things of the Spirit, not after the flesh. Lead us now, Lord, as we meditate on these things. In Jesus' precious name, amen. God bless you all.